Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Couch GM's podcast. I'm your host, George Kurth, along with the two other Musketeers, Tyler Snyder. Hey, hey. And Cody Rocap. How's it going, everyone? Thanks again for tuning in to this week's installment of the Couch GM's podcast. Before we get started, I wanted to give a quick shout out to our listeners in Ireland. I don't know if you guys saw that, but we are now worldwide, guys. Pretty cool to see people listening in from all over the world. Uh, but if this is your first time, you might be asking yourself, what is the Couch Dams podcast? So George, Tyler, and myself are three best friends who met in college. We talk football every day. And when I say we talk football, I mean we talk football. My girlfriend even hates how much we talk. But we love it, so we decided to record our conversations and discussions just for you guys. Yeah, so if you're wondering what you can expect from this podcast, you're going to get some weekly breakdowns and predictions of every matchup of the week, some fantasy advice to help you win your games this week, some bold predictions that we will most likely get wrong, and just have some fun talking football. And we want you guys to get involved with our discussion as well. So follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at the Couch GMs, and comment, post, whatever you would like. We want you guys to tell us why we're wrong, we want to be able to chalk some trash back at you when you're wrong. We're going to make this fun for everybody. And if we'll take a quick look of last week. Um, and if you guys didn't get a chance to see it, let, check out our social. George took a pie to the face for finishing last in our weekly picks. Um, none of us did great. I finished on top at 9-5. and five. Tyler came in second at 8-6. and six, And George finished going 500 at 7-7, seven and seven, which leads our overall standings, Tyler in first. Hey, hey. I'm in second, and George is in third. And once again, we have struck out on our bold predictions. <laughs> We're going to get one this week. And Kempi, I'm talking to you. We will get you some money. This guy has been graciously betting $5 on each of our bold predictions. So we're going to have to start p- paying him some money soon, but uh, hopefully we win him some this week. Absolutely. So let's get into our weekly headlines for the week. Uh, first and foremost, We did talk about it last week in the podcast discussing whether or not Dan Quinn would be fired. I was gloriously wrong in saying that I do not think he'd be fired this season. He would be waiting until the end of the season to get fired. But that was wrong. Dan Quinn was fired. Uh, How do you guys feel about the Atlanta Falcons moving forward? You know, a team that, you know, some people thought could make a playoff run. They have the offensive talent with a defensive mind of coach, and they're just playing just as bad as anyone. Um, I guess you can say that we saw it coming, kind of. We talked about it last week as a possibility. Some of us thought it would wait till the end of the season, but I think it was a smart move, and I think we'll actually see a trend in the NFL of people just starting to get rid of their coaches earlier just so they can move on and start their searches and not wait too long before they pull the plug. Oh, yeah, and I mean, I talked last week about thinking it was way too early to – start firing coaches, and the only reason we were talking about it is because the Texans went out on a limb and did something that we don't normally see. But now that there's two, I wouldn't be shocked if more start falling quicker and you're going to see rushes for these really highly anticipated head coaches that are waiting in the wings for next season. Yeah, and it might be a little early to be firing your head coach. However, like you said, the Texans did fire their head coach last week, and Uh, Cornell stepped in and actually got the Texans their first win of the season. It gave the Texans a new energy. They played faster. And honestly, they're not out of playoff contention for the season. I know it's crazy to think of 1-14 making the playoffs, but it is possible. And if firing the head coach to give the team new life is what does it, 
then yeah, you definitely can see a new trend around the NFL of teams firing their head coaches sooner. Yeah, I also think it's good to point out they also fired their GM, Thomas Dimitrov, and their owner actually came out and said that they weren't fully committed to Matt Ryan long-term. So I think Atlanta will be a very interesting place to watch unfold over the next couple of weeks, the rest of the season, and into the offseason. But, you know, there's another big story that happened this past week, just a few days ago. The Jets made it known they were trying to trade Le'Veon Bell, and I don't even think it was 24 hours later. They just straight out released him. What do you guys think of Bell being released before Adam Gase is gone, or where do you think he might end up? I almost feel like this is a situation where the Jets are kind of doubling down on keeping Gase, because, you know, there was the whole Gase versus Bell uh, feud going on. And I almost think that Bell would have stayed if they had decided to go with a new head coach. I think I'd be worried about Sam Darnold's job now, too. Like, Gase might want to bring in another one of like his own quarterback in the draft this year or something. And the Jets might have to deal with that situation for a long time coming. Yeah, I heard somewhere, guys, that after releasing Le'Veon Bell, there was a statement that the Jets said that no one player is bigger than a team. And we saw the way that Le'Veon Bell acted in Pittsburgh when he thought he should be getting the contract that he deserved and he couldn't get it. Uh, he could have very well been a cancer in that locker room. Uh, you can't really see behind closed doors. You don't know how things were going. Just because they released Le'Veon Bell doesn't mean that they are that high on Adam Gase. It might just mean that maybe Le'Veon Bell was bringing down the team morale and they just wanted to get him out of there so they could focus on other things. I think you make a great point. Um, he definitely was on Twitter a lot, and Adam Gase definitely didn't like that. Um, I guess it's up to you to decide who was at more at fault in that whole situation. Um, but let's talk about where he might end up. I saw today the betting odds favored actually the Kansas City Chiefs to signing him. Uh, that didn't make much sense to me with their young rookie, uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, looking so good. But where do you think he ends up? Yeah, I think that was only because of Chris Jones putting out a tweet. It looked like he was trying to recruit Le'Veon Bell to the team. I think that's the only reason that the Chiefs are leading right now. Otherwise, I don't see it. I see this more of a uh, Bill Belichick move. I could see them going out and getting Le'Veon Bell despite having so many mid-level running backs on the team already. Um, I could see Chicago. They don't seem too thrilled with um, – David Montgomery and Chicago's four and one. They are still very well in the mix. I could see them going out and getting a guy like that. I did see the Eagles have no interest in Le'Veon Bell. They don't plan on going out and getting him. However, I don't think that would have been a bad move either because of the injuries to the Eagles constantly, especially since Le'Veon Bell prides himself on being such a good receiver. It gives another pass catching option to the Eagles, but I, I could definitely see either Chicago or if they still believe they're in it, Detroit could even go out and make the move because Adrian Peterson just is not getting it done. I also thought about the whole Bill Belichick thing. It seems like any time a big name free agent comes out there, the Patriots are in the discussion. But I feel like that's actually been quiet this year. Like A lot of people aren't thinking about the Patriots when it comes to Le'Veon Bell. Uh, the two teams I'll throw out there on top of Chicago, because I think Chicago is the leader in that, would be Arizona. Kenyon Drake is still not looking great, but he did finally get you some points in your fantasy teams if you stuck with him last week. And Tampa Bay, because Tampa Bay seems to be going out there and trying to pull a dream team this year. Even though they have Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones, who's doing well, I could still see them adding Le'Veon Bell, just trying to go all in on this season. 
And let me also just say that even though I gave you two teams that I could see Le'Veon Bell going to, I truly believe that he will not be signed right away. This could bite me real quick, but I don't believe that he'll be signed right away. I think that he's going to have to sit out there for a week, two weeks, maybe longer, until a team that is a contender for the playoffs loses their starting running back. Then I can see them going out and getting Le'Veon Bell very quickly. However, there's not really any teams that are running back needy uh, that are really playoff contenders at this point. So I don't think Le'Veon Bell is going to be a very hot commodity on the free agent market right now. I completely agree with that statement. Um, we saw it earlier this season with Devonta Freeman. You know, he waited till the opportunity with Saquon allowed him to have an actual opportunity to be a part of the offense. And I think Le'Veon Bell prides himself too much or has too much of an ego to actually go to a team where he's not the bell cow or he doesn't feel underutilized. So I do think he will be on the market at least a few weeks. Bell cow, that was a good pun there. (laughs) No pun intended. Nice. (laughs) Didn't even recognize I did it. Uh, But let's, let's head right into our, let's just go right into our week six predictions, matchup previews. Um, Just a reminder for everyone out there listening. We do post our picks on all our social media channels. So you can comment before the games happen, after the games happen, to let us know how we did, what your guys' picks are. But our first matchup is actually a reschedule from the previous week. We have the Denver Broncos at the New England Patriots. Patriots are heavy favorites. And no surprise, we're all picking the Patriots here. But Melvin Gordon was charged with a DUI today. And he might not even be playing, according to Vic Fangio. So what do you guys think of the whole situation in Denver? I think he's going to play. I heard earlier today that it's not that Melvin Gordon was out partying and drove drunk. What happened was he was having dinner with a few of his friends, having some wine with dinner, had a few more glasses of wine than he probably should have, decided to drive home, definitely shouldn't have done that. But the second that it happened, he immediately called John Elway. He told him what happened. He apologized and said, I'm ready to accept any responsibility. And then at practice today, he was not sent home. Uh, The head coach did tell him that he thinks it might be best for Melvin Gordon to go home to try to clear his head. But Melvin Gordon refused. He stayed at practice, practiced fully. I believe that Melvin Gordon is handling this situation so well that he'll almost get a pass on this one. And I do expect Melvin Gordon to play this week. I think another big thing to note is if for whatever reason they hold him out because of a legal situation or whatever, Phil Lindsay is back. Phil Lindsay has led that backfield very successfully in the past. He could end up being a big fantasy pickup if you see Melvin Gordon's not playing. But I agree with Tyler. Melvin Gordon seemed to have handled this with a lot of class, and I would be surprised if he didn't play as well. Yeah, it feels very much like the the college you're suspended for the first half punishment. I could see him having some sort of punishment like that where he only gets a carry or two or maybe doesn't even play the first half but comes back in the second half just because of the way he's handling it. But a bigger note about this game is that we have the return of the two quarterbacks, Drew Locke and Cam Newton. The line is currently uh, nine-and-a-half-point favorites for the Patriots. Do you think the return of Drew Locke makes that line any closer? Absolutely. I would honestly bet on the point spread here. Nine-and-a-half is just – crazy i mean new england has shown some flashes they have shown some good defense some good offense but so has denver i mean they've had so many injuries and they may not have looked 
great the last couple of weeks without Drew Locke. But with Locke back, I think that the offense can actually keep up nicely. I don't think that they're going to win the game, but I think they're going to keep it a lot closer than this and really make New England sweat it. I would bet against the point spread here. I think it's going to be a much closer game than nine and a half. I also agree. I would think I would go against the points as well. People tend to forget after the injury and everything that happened with Denver the last few weeks how good they actually looked in weeks one and even two. I mean, they took the Titans to a game-winning field goal, and we saw the Titans now destroying the Bills last week. But uh, no, I think I would go for the points, but I just cannot bet against Belichick for the game with his starting quarterback. They look, they've looked good as well. Well, you just mentioned the Titans, so we can go right into our next matchup of the Houston Texans at the Tennessee Titans. The Titans look dominant. You know, they were getting a lot of criticism for how they handled COVID. Hopefully, all the COVID stuff is behind us. Right now, we have no worry of any game not being played. Knock on wood, it stays that way. Uh, once again, we're all going with Tennessee here. I think it's just Houston got that first win with the interim head coach. But Tennessee just looks too good for me. And Tyler, is there anything sexier than a Derrick Henry stiff arm? Absolutely not. Are you kidding me? Uh, I don't care if you're a Titans fan or I don't even care if you're a football fan. When you see a stiff arm like Derrick Henry had this past week where he just took Josh Norman and threw him into next week, everybody I know stood up and screamed on that play. It was amazing. The sidelines went crazy. The fans, as limited as it was, went crazy in the stands. There is nothing sexier than a Derrick Henry stiff arm. He does it every week, just embarrassing people, and I absolutely love it. I have never seen a play that didn't count. There was offsetting penalties on that play. I've never seen a play that didn't count, caused so much buzz before. It won angry runs on Good Morning Football. There's memes everywhere. It's insane. That was such a great stiff arm. Yes, it was a beautiful thing to see. What's not beautiful is the Titans' outside linebacker, Kamali Correa, has requested a trade uh, for being inactive last night. Now, I can't remember completely, so Tyler, maybe you can help me out, but he was one of the players that ended up on the COVID list. So I don't know if the inactive was something to do with that. Um, Do you think he will get traded or where he will go? Actually, the trade has already been processed. Uh, Kamale Correa has been traded by the Titans along with a 2021 seventh round pick to the Jacksonville Jaguars, a division rival for a 2021 sixth round pick. Uh, Correa was a mid to high level draft pick by the Ravens. He didn't seem to fit in there. So he was traded to the Titans for a mid-level pick. And he honestly did very well for the Titans the last couple of years. His contract expired this past offseason. Titans gave him a one-year deal, but then they went out and got Vic Beasley and then capped off the preseason by signing Jadavian Clowney. And after they got Clowney and Beasley, there was no need for Correa anymore. I loved Correa the last few years. He's looked great, but when you have a guy like Jadavian Clowney, you're not going to start him. I understand him wanting to go somewhere else to get the snaps, but I don't blame the Titans at all for letting him walk and not playing him anymore than they have. Um, the interesting about it is they actually traded Correa to a division rival. I said the Jaguars. And that's very interesting to me. It's not often that you see a team trade to a division rival. My only assumption at this point is that they don't 
feel the Jaguars are a threat at this point. So trading him there is not a, a huge deal to them, as well as at least by trading him, you get something out of him rather than just straight cutting him, taking the cap hit and getting nothing from him. Otherwise, I don't know why you would trade to a division rival. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think the division rival thing is definitely interesting from a standpoint. And I actually didn't even hear that the Jags had already made the trade. So thank you for filling me in on that. And I understand where they're coming from with their offseason acquisitions of Beasley and Clowney, uh, almost making it too much room. But it was just a one-year deal. So I guess maybe the trade was forced more by Correa, and they just had to get something, and the Jaguars the only option. But, you know, Clowney doesn't have a clean injury history, so I'm surprised they didn't try to keep him or, you know, maybe offer him a couple extra dollars or do something to keep him instead of going to a division rival. Yeah, Correa requested the trade from the Titans earlier this morning. Uh, he really said he wanted to go in a different direction, and the team just kind of obliged to him. He's done so much for the team, it's kind of hard to uh, just say, no, you're not getting that, you're not getting your wish, and then just continuing to bench him because we have other players. So I think it was out of more respect for Correa for what he's done for the team. Um, however, I'm sure they would have loved to keep him as a depth piece. Definitely. And, you know, since we're talking division rivals, we can move into our next matchup. It's also the first time we differ in our picks this week. It's the Cleveland Browns at the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Cleveland Browns are three and a half point underdogs. I see George and Tyler are taking Cleveland. I'll let you guys explain why. Well, you know, I've been trying to downplay Pittsburgh, it seems like, for a while now. And they just keep winning, but they also just keep playing awful teams. They kept the Eagles in the game last week. Unfortunately, they couldn't pull that one off. But the Steelers' combined opponent record is now 3-15-1. I know there's been arguments before with the it's early in the season. You're basically just penalizing them for loot, for beating teams, and that's why their opponents' records are so bad. But I think we're far enough in now that those teams they played have played enough other teams to show that they're just playing bad talent. And Cleveland has looked good. I had said last week that the Browns are going to Brown, but they stepped up and played against a good defense and still looked good last week. They proved that, not shockingly, Kareem Hunt can take the full role when they don't have Nick Chubb. He looked really good. I, I'm i going to go with Cleveland here. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you, George. I'm going with Cleveland here as well. I will say that I did flip back and forth on this matchup a few times. I guess it's just the history of the Browns and knowing how they always seem to find a way to lose makes it hard to pick the Browns, but I think we're past that. I think the Browns have looked so much better this season. And honestly, the Browns went into a game against the Colts, which the Colts were one of the top ranked teams going into last week. And we kept saying, just wait until they play somebody good and then we'll see if they're for real. Well, they finally did play somebody good and the Colts had the number one defense coming into the matchup, and the Browns hung 32 points on them. Now we've been saying the Steelers are a top-ranked team, but they haven't played anybody good. Wait until they do. Now we're going to finally see if Pittsburgh is for real. We know that the Browns can put up points against a good defense. We know that their defense has the talent to hold opposing offenses down. I think you're going to see a surprise upset here, and I think the Browns are going to beat the Steelers. Yeah, and like I mentioned earlier, I have to disagree with you guys. Um, I think I think Pittsburgh's run D is legit, and 
Kareem Hunt did look good in the absence of Nick Chubb. Dearness Johnson didn't look like anything. If he's on your fantasy team, either put him on your bench or just drop him, especially this week. He's not going to do anything. And I understand Georgia coming from their opponent's record might be low. But if you look at their opponent's running back stats, you have the week one, Barkley had 15 carries for six yards. You had week two, Melvin Gordon only averaged 3.7 yards a carry on 19 carries. David Johnson, 13 carries, 1.8 yards per carry. Miles Sanders looked good. He had 7.3 yards per carry on 11 carries for 80 yards, but one was a 74-yard touchdown, and he was 10 for six yards on the rest of his runs. I don't think Kareem Hunt or the Cleveland Browns can put up points on the run game like they have been or been so successful to the run game against this defense, and that is why I'm taking the Pittsburgh Steelers. All right, guys, that's enough about that AFC North matchup. Sticking with the AFC North, we do have the Baltimore Ravens taking on the NFC Leasts, Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, the game opens with Baltimore as seven and a half point favorites. I don't see any way that the Eagles win this matchup. I'm actually surprised that the point spread isn't even higher. All of us do have Baltimore, but George, you're the Eagles fan here. Do you think your team has a chance in this one? Uh, I've been telling myself yes, but no, I really don't think we do here. No. Uh, there was a lot of positives that came out of that Steelers game, despite the loss. Big one would be Travis Fulgham. He, I think he is legit. I think he might be the best receiver that this team had since the healthy Alshon Jeffrey back in the Super Bowl year. Um, that And Carson Wentz continued to look better. One of his two interceptions last week was just a Hail Mary. I don't want to fault him for it. He still did throw one, but the Eagles do have a good record when he throws one or fewer interceptions. I mean, he's leading the league in interceptions, so anything that I can do in my mind to make it feel like, oh, that interception wasn't his fault makes me feel better. (laughs) But uh, no, I don't think the Eagles have a shot here. I think you need to slow your roll on Travis Fulgham the best wide receiver the Eagles had since Alshon Jeffrey Super Bowl. Man, that's one disrespecting Greg Ward. He's looked great all last year. I don't know. He, he comes and goes this year, but he looked great last year. Fulgham had one big game, but there is a couple reasons why this guy was cut. Hopefully, he stays consistent for you. But I think you need to slow your roll a little bit. And But back to the actual matchup, you know, I think Baltimore wins this pretty easily, but I didn't think the Eagles had a chance against San Fran. They won the game. I didn't think the Eagles had a chance against Pittsburgh. It was a lot closer than I thought it would be. So I guess there is a slimmer of hope for the Philadelphia Eagles because they always seem to pull off weird wins, but give me Baltimore pretty easily in this one. So Cody, you are not recommending people go out and get Travis Fulgham in their fantasy leagues if they're desperate for a receiver? Well, if you're desperate for a receiver, Fulgham is definitely an option to consider. But there's other guys to consider, like maybe Mike Williams is out there. He's looked really good now that he's gotten healthy. You know, some people still have Henry Ruggs available because of his injury history. So I don't think Travis Fulgham is the must-add waiver wire of the week. But if you have a receive, if you need a receiver, he is the number one, number two guy in Philly. So he would be worth an add. 
Before you go putting in your waivers, guys, just so you know, both guys that Cody just mentioned there over Travis Fulgham are on bye this week. So if you are desperate for a receiver this week, neither of those guys are good options, but they are decent longer-term options. Um, back to this matchup, I'm, I'm going to go back to last week for a second. And the Philadelphia Eagles are just frustrating me. I'm not even a big Eagles fan. I like the Eagles living in this area, but the Eagles are just absolutely frustrating me here. In week one, I complained that the Eagles tried too hard to go for the deep ball, but the line couldn't give Wentz any time, and it made it so that the deep ball was never open, and they never adjusted. They kept doing it all game, and they lost because of it. Now, last week, we saw the Eagles play the Pittsburgh Steelers, and Chase Claypool had four touchdowns. Okay, Chase Claypool gets one touchdown on a screen pass, not a big deal. Gets the second touchdown, cool, he's having a great game. Third touchdown, okay, you guys definitely need to learn to cover him. So then on the fourth touchdown, you're in a key situation where the Eagles need to make a stop to have a chance in this game, and they have a linebacker covering Chase Claypool, who already has three touchdowns in the game, one-on-one, and wow, what a surprise, Claypool gets a fourth touchdown. I have no idea what the Eagles coaches are doing right now. George, please talk me off a ledge here. What is going on? Jim Schwartz, after one of the games earlier this season, had basically went and stuck his neck out for his entire defense and said, I think that the entire problem was my game plan and I'm going to work on getting better. Well, even if you say that this one wasn't the game plan, there's something about the defense not adjusting in the game, let alone the initial game plan. He's not putting his defenders in spots to succeed. I understand there's some holes. I mean, the person that ended up covering Claypool on that fourth touchdown was Nate Gary. You shouldn't have a linebacker on a receiver to start with. And maybe Nate Gary isn't the flashiest name at linebacker in the NFL, but he's been a solid producer for the Eagles defense. There's The rest of the linebacker position is very rough. The secondary is beat up. You have Jalen Mills going between safety and corner because they don't have enough players to roster a full secondary most of the time. Um, your consistent producer is Darius Slay. And I don't know how after three touchdowns you don't put Darius Slay on Chase Claypool. I don't care if Juju beats you then. Good for him if they do. It's hard for me to talk you off a ledge because I have to talk myself off a ledge too, and I have no reason to have much optimism right now. And I don't blame you for not having much optimism. You know, I guess, you know, you said Travis Fogan, the best receiver, which I said slow your roll on. You know, back then they were also th- thinking uh, Schwartz should be a head coach, and I don't think he should be one after how he's performing this season. And I do want to throw uh, Claypool's name into the list of receivers that I mentioned as possible waiver targets. I would probably take Claypool over Fogum just because of Deontay Johnson has a second injury now and don't normally chase fantasy points. He might not score a touchdown for a few weeks, but he's a guy I would definitely target. Yeah, guys, I'm excessively frustrated with the coaching staff. It, it, I don't understand what they're doing, and I think they need to get it together quick or there's going to be some coaching changes coming soon. It would not surprise me if Jim Schwartz does not have his job by the end of the season. And I understand that the Eagles have a good run defense, 
However, now you're facing the Baltimore Ravens, who are one of the best rushing teams of this generation. Um, So that's why I'm going to start us off with our bold predictions. I'm going to make mine for this game. I'm about to piss off a lot of Eagles fans, but I am going to go with the Baltimore Ravens have not one, but two 100-yard rushers against this good rushing defense of the Eagles. One of them I do expect to be Lamar Jackson. But yes, I am saying two 100-yard rushers for the Baltimore Ravens. Give us our first correct bold prediction. Woo! That's a bold one. Uh, But I think Tyler is saying, if you play Daily Fantasy, it's okay to pay up for Lamar Jackson because he's about to have a big game. But uh, we can move on to not a big game. Some might say it's a snooze fest. We're staying in the NFC least. It's Washington football team at the New York Giants. I think the only good thing about this matchup was we got to see Alex Smith come back last week after his horrific injury, and he played He played okay. He definitely had a little bit of rust, but he played okay after missing a season and a half. Um, who do you guys think starts this game? Do you think Alex Smith keeps the job, or does he go back to Kyle Allen? I think Alex Smith does keep the job. I think Alex Smith's past having all the success in Kansas City, having the success in San Francisco even before he got benched during the Super Bowl year for Colin Kaepernick, gives him, like, if he since he proved that he can get out there and play and he can survive the beating, like, I got scared when Aaron Donald jumped on his back in the middle of the game last week, but when he came out of it okay, I think everyone could take a deep breath and realize he's back to 100%. He doesn't have an injury risk anymore. We can, you know, he, he actually came all the way back and can play and we don't have to worry about him. I think that was enough that to tell Washington that they should play him for the experience to try to salvage something out of this year, whether they want to try to win the division, even though it's weak, or at least give some calming veteran presence in the huddle for these young guys to try to work their way up. Like you got to think Terry McLaurin is going to be a big part of their future and you want to, you don't want to waste a year of his development going playing quarterback carousel yeah I I agree with you there George Um, I think that Alex Smith should start this game just because I mean look if Kyle Allen finished that game last week uh, the way he looked he he deserved to keep the job this week but with Alex Smith stepping in uh, after his long road back I don't see a way that you can bench him with a good heart Um, at the same time we do know that Riverboat Ron is a big Kyle Allen fan, so it wouldn't shock me one bit if Kyle Allen is the starter for this game. Either way, with all the questions at quarterback there, I gotta go with the Giants in this matchup. I flipped back and forth on this game quite a few times, didn't know who to select. I'm going with the Giants here. I think that Danny Penny's really isn't that great of a quarterback, but he's at least better than the question marks they have over in Washington. Devontae Freeman is finally showing flashes. He stepped it back up last week. He's looking good. I think that the Giants are going to be angry after blowing that close game to the Dallas Cowboys last week, and they're going to come out firing. They're going to get their first win of the season. Uh, Give me Danny Pennies with his first win. I agree also with picking the Giants. I was impressed with how the Giants looked last week against the Cowboys. I mean, I probably shouldn't be. The Cowboys' defense is absolutely awful I expected the Giants to put up a lot of points yet they were still in the game I don't know if they would have been in the game if it wasn't for Dak getting hurt unfortunately 
but I thought they had it. I think that they looked more together than Washington has all season, even when Washington won week one. So I'm going to go with the Giants as well. And that's where I differ. I'm going to take the Washington football team. I, I think Kyle Allen gets the job if he's healthy. One, I just think Tyler mentioned Riverboat Ron loves the guy. We called him his golden boy on last week's show. And Alex Smith, although he has an incredible story, I just think they go with Kyle Allen. And the biggest reason for me, I think the game is going to be incredibly close, just like most divisional games are. I don't know if it'll be exciting to watch. It could be a lot of punts. But I do think the uh, Washington football team's defensive line will dominate the New York Giants offensive line, giving the Washington football team a victory in a not-so-fun-to-watch matchup. But let's move on to our next matchup with the Atlanta Falcons at the Minnesota Vikings. Falcons are three-and-a-half-point underdogs. The Falcons fired their coach, like you mentioned earlier. The Vikings lost a nail-biter in Sunday Night Football. So I'm going to go with the Vikings on this one. It hurts me as a Packers fan to ever pick the Vikings. I just want them to go 0-16. And normally I would pick a team that has a first game with an interim head coach. But I just don't think the Atlanta Falcons can do it. I think they're I just think they're done. I think part of them are already checked out for the season. It's just tough looking forward for Atlanta. I think 2020's been a rough year for everyone, but for Atlanta Falcons fans, it's gonna get even worse. Your team's not gonna do well, but hey, you might be able to replace Matt Ryan with a a pretty nice quarterback at the top of the draft next year. I know Cody had mentioned the first game with the new head coach thing, and I think that's the thing that would scare me about picking Minnesota here, but I'm still going to go with Minnesota. I don't know if the talks of replacing Matt Ryan is going to shake his confidence at all with being the veteran who's made it to the Super Bowl before, or at least like, you know, kill his motivation at least. It's possible it does. Um, it's also important to mention, though, that Dalvin Cook got hurt in that Sunday night game against the Seahawks. He's questionable. He might play. I'm not worried about them as a team because Alexander Madison has proven time and time again that he can eat up yards when he's given the carries. He needs to be owned in your fantasy leagues if he is not already. He could be a start this week if Dalvin Cook ends up being out. Um, but you have to keep an eye on Cook later in the week with the injury reports. Uh, and Minnesota impressed me with how well they stayed up with Seattle. Seattle, I still think, is one of the better teams in the NFC, and they actually had the lead until the last 15 seconds of the game. So I don't know if Minnesota's turning a corner, if that was just a spark in the pan, and they're going to go back to looking awful. But Minnesota gave me a little bit of confidence, so I don't think I can take a team with a first-week head coach against them this week. I can. And I will. I'm going with Atlanta in this one. Uh, mainly just because I don't like picking the same thing as George, so i got to change it up. But no, in all honesty, I think the exact opposite of everything you just said, George. You said that you think them talking about replacing Matt Ryan might shake his confidence. I think it's going to fire him up. I think it's going to make him angry. I think it's going to make him play out of his mind. You said that the Vikings stayed in a close game with the Seahawks, ended up losing it. You think they're turning a corner? I think that it's going to flatten them. I think that, you know, playing a team that people are talking about as a potential Super Bowl favorite at this point, the Seahawks with how good they're looking, being in a game with them and making it that close and 
losing in a nail biter. They fall to one and four. It's a crushing defeat. I think that it's going to flatten them a little bit. Atlanta has nothing left to lose. They might as well go for it. They might as well air it out. They still do have good pieces. I don't know if Julio is going to play this week or not, but they do have Calvin Ridley. Russell Gage has shown flashes. They do have Todd Gurley, who still looks like a great running back. Um, And like I said, I think Matt Ryan is going to play angry. I think he's going to step it up. I I really think the Atlanta Falcons are going to pull off the upset in this one. I don't think they're going to win many games this year. I don't think they're going to go on a tear after this, but I think they're going to pull this one off. I think one thing you mentioned there was you don't know if Julio is going to play. And I will say if Julio does play, that would make me want to lean Atlanta a little bit more. Um, I just think he reactivated his hamstring and it'll be held out another week. And even though Calvin Ridley is exploding this year, I think you can see the difference Julio makes not only for Ridley, but for Matt Ryan. And with, if Julio doesn't play, I don't think Atlanta really has a chance, but, before we go, uh, we talked about Dalvin Cook, and we've already talked about some waiver wires. Is Alexander Mattinson the guy that you're targeting this week? Or are you guys not worried about Cook long-term, so you're only picking him up if you desperately need a running back this week? I think if you're a Dalvin Cook owner, you definitely want to have him. Dalvin Cook has an injury history. It's not like this is an, uh, you know, an odd situation. Um, but if you need a fill-in for this week specifically, I'm thinking, yes, you go for Madison. Otherwise, I would only think Madison long-term if you have Dalvin Cook on your team. Yeah, I agree with George. Madison is a must-start this week, in my opinion. If you can get him, if you are desperate for a running back, or not even desperate, if you just don't like the running backs you're starting, pick up Madison, start him this week with confidence. However, I did see a report that there was a chance Dalvin Cook could play this week but they're going to hold him out because they have a bye week next week. It's the same thing the Packers did with Devontae Adams last week uh, or two weeks ago now. You have a guy with a bye week next week. Don't run the risk. Let him sit for one week. Have that extra bye week for rest. Dalvin Cook's going to come out firing after the bye week. So Madison's not a long-term option in my opinion, but for this week, definitely. And if you're doing daily fantasy, if he's cheap, go ahead and start Madison there as well. That's that's a great point. Um, make sure you take advantage of the lower costing guys in Dallas Fantasy that could explode for you on Sunday. Um, but I think that's enough of that matchup. We can move on to the Detroit Lions at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jacksonville are actually three and a half point underdogs, which was surprising to me, which is why I'm taking the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think they're a better team than the Detroit Lions. Um, I do think it'll be interesting. I know DJ Chark got hurt at the beginning of last week's game, monitoring his situation. It's definitely obvious that Minshew is better when Chark is out there. But whether Chark plays or not, I still think Jacksonville has what it takes to get over the Detroit Lions. Yeah, I have to give the Jaguars credit. I mean, let's be honest, they are one in four teams, so it's not like they're setting the world on fire. But at the same time, before the season started, they released Leonard Fournette, and everybody said, oh, they have... No running backs now. So you think of their backup, Ryquell Armstead. He was put on the COVID list, still hasn't come off the COVID list, still no word on what's even going on with him. So then they take James Robinson, undrafted free agent, running back, and he looks amazing. He's one of the top fantasy running backs. Okay, well, they don't have any receivers, right? DJ Chark has been injured on and off, so they don't have anybody to throw to. Oh, wait, they have rookie LaVisca Chenault, who is 
looking phenomenal this season. He had seven catches for 79 yards last week against the Texans. Okay, but after you get rid of him, you have nothing, right? Chris Conley looks good. Keelan Cole looks good. Oh, and then rookie Colin Johnson, who I've never even heard of, steps in. He looks good. The Jaguars are finding ways to make players that nobody knows, nobody's ever heard of, look good. And it's such a surprising thing to me. I think the Lions always find a way to lose, but Minshew Mania can sometimes find a way to win in the situations you think he'll win the least. So I got to go with the Jaguars in this one. It wasn't an easy pick. I do think it's going to be a very close game, but you know, give me the Jaguars. Well, I'm going to be the only one to pick the favorite, which is really not common here. Um, I'm, I know you talk a lot about the youth of the Jaguars, and I think that is going to be part of their demise. I'm going to take the veteran leadership of Matt Stafford, uh, Adrian Peterson, who I still think should be losing some carries to DeAndre Swift, but that's another discussion for another time. Um, Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladay. I don't know if Jacksonville can keep up with Detroit. I know Detroit has plenty of holes. They're not a great team either. But I'm just feeling Detroit this week over all of that youth on Jacksonville. I don't see how youth is a bad thing. I mean, I understand veteran leadership is a good thing. But after that, I mean, Matt Stafford, what has he really done in his career that has made you say, yeah, this is the guy that's going to lead you to a victory? Adrian Peterson, he looks old he is old he looks like he's lost the step he looked all right in the first two weeks but in the last couple I mean he doesn't look fantastic Marvin Jones he had great flashes last year not seeing a whole lot from him this year I don't see how you know youth is a bad thing in this sense I completely agree uh I guess the only person that scares me even on the Detroit team is Kenny Galladay that dude's a monster um but you know we talked about it with Dan Quinn, Bill O'Brien, you know, the last two weeks, two coaches have been fired. And I'm going to make my bold prediction this week that three coaches in three weeks will be fired. And I don't think it'll be Adam Gase. It could be Adam Gase. And I'm still going to take the victory if it is Adam Gase. But I think the surprise one will be Matt Patricia. Matt Patricia, going into the bye week, they asked him, what's wrong with your team, essentially, Uh, What are you going to do to get it better? And he essentially said, I was given a bad hand and we had a lot of work to do to get this team back into winning form. I don't know if you guys remember, but Matt Patricia took over the Detroit Lions when they went nine and seven back-to-back years, making the playoffs one year, and they were looking for a spark to get them over the edge. Matt Patricia has done nothing but run that team into the ground. We saw it early in the... Uh, early in his career when the players didn't like his coaching style. We're seeing it now. He just doesn't seem to have control of that team. I I don't think Matt Patricia survives this week. Maybe it's next week. Maybe it's at the end of the season. I don't think he'll be there at all. But my bold prediction is that one more coach will get fired. So we have three coaches and three weeks get fired. I like it. And losing to a 1-4 team like the Jacksonville Jaguars is definitely a thing that can get the conversation started. Uh, especially when you do have a veteran like Matt Stafford that some still think is a great quarterback and uh, should be winning games. So I don't think that's a bad pick there, Cody. I I like your bold prediction for this week. Going from one Cody Cody bold prediction to Cody's bold prediction last week, we're going to take A.J. Green's Cincinnati Bengals 
traveling to Indianapolis to face the Colts. The Colts are favored by seven and a half. Uh, what do you guys think about the whole AJ Green situation? I think there was potentially a whole trade me thing going on. He just seemed to not want to play the second half last week against Baltimore. Well, as a guy that picked AJ Green to go off, um, I'm not going to lie, I was a little disappointed. He was injured, so in my head, I believe that if he didn't get hurt, he would have balled out. But I think the more surprising thing is the trade me on the, the sideline. Um, I know there's not a lot of media attention to the Cincinnati Bengals. Sometimes they're even an afterthought around the league. But A.J. Green has always loved his time in Cincinnati. He's one of those guys that wanted to play for the same team for his whole career. And it surprised me at this point. I know they're not playing great. Maybe it's something to do with Zach Taylor. Maybe it's T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd putting pressure on him. But Joe Burrow still looks like a good quarterback for the future. For him to go out and say trade me or potentially say trade me, we don't have confirmation, but that's what it looks like on video on the sideline. I think it's an interesting situation to play out, and I think Cincinnati will end up trading him. And this is another team that just – New England seems like the fit for – AJ Green. Like, I feel like we've been saying it for years with him. I wouldn't be surprised the next week or two we see before the trade deadline. Cincinnati Bengals have traded AJ Green to the New England Patriots. You know, I hate to hear it. I really don't like hearing that. I, I could see AJ Green being traded. Uh, I think there's a number of teams that could honestly go for a guy like AJ Green, uh, whether it's a team like the Eagles who are just decimated with injuries and really are not out of the division at all by any means they could go try to get that guy or another team that has you know young receivers and wants more of a veteran presence to try to lead those younger receivers and help build them in their career I could see a number of teams making an offer for AJ Green even though he does look like he's kind of lost the step over the course of his career especially in the last couple of years uh, however I'm gonna go right into this matchup and you know I don't like Indianapolis. I really don't. I don't think they're that great of a team. I think they're highly overrated. I know their defense looks great. Uh, it has. It is. It was the number one defense coming into last week, but then again, they haven't played anybody worth noting, and they finally played a team with good offensive pieces, and they gave up 32 points. And Phillip Rivers, I've been saying it since before the season, Phillip Rivers hasn't looked good in San Diego. Um, ooh, 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 ooh. Oh, San Diego. All right, that's one red flag for me. Uh, I got to put a dollar in the San Diego jar. But Philip Rivers has not looked good in L.A. for years now, and he had Keenan Allen to throw to, Hunter Henry, he had Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler, and he didn't look good there. So now you bring him to a team with an aging T.Y. Hilton who looks like he has taken a step back, no other receivers that are even worth noting, and a carousel of running backs that have flashes one week and do nothing the next week. I don't think Indy's going to be that great. However, Cincinnati does look lost. They don't look like they are really ready to take the next step. I think that they will be there starting in the next couple of years. I think that Cincinnati will be a playoff contender, but they're not there yet. I think Indy's going to take this one. I'm just ready for Indy to face some real competition soon. Yep, I completely agree. I think Indy will win this game. Uh, it might be closer than the seven and a half points that they're the favorites in. But 
it's so hard for me to pick with Philip Rivers because, like, everything you mentioned, he just hasn't looked good. And I didn't like the signing for Indianapolis. I didn't get the hype. But Cincinnati, they're off to a rough start. And uh, I got to go with Indy in this one. I would like to think that Cincinnati's going to have a little bit of extra focus this week after getting obliterated last week by the Ravens. I'm not a big fan of the Colts. Like, it sounded like you guys were like, I'm going to pick the Colts, but I'm not too confident in them. I'm not confident in the Colts. I'm going to pick the Bengals. Um, I heard Tyler mention T.Y. Hilton. T.Y. Hilton has not had a 100-yard receiving game since Andrew Luck retired. I don't think he's really a game-changer anymore, and I don't know if I see a game-changer on that offense then. Phillip Rivers is falling apart. Uh, I think Joe Burrow probably deserves an extra win or two than he already has on this record, and I think he can go out there and shock some people this week. All right, and... So we differ on that matchup. Let's move on to the Chicago Bears at the Carolina Panthers. We're back to all agreeing on the same page. We're taking the Panthers. If you listen to the last few podcasts, I'm pretty sure it's because none of us like Nick Foles at quarterback. And, you know, the Panthers, McCaffrey didn't practice on Wednesday, but he could be back this week. Mike Davis has looked really good in his absence. The Panthers beat the Falcons last week they're now tied for first in the AFC South they look like a real sleeper team so I'm taking the Panthers to win another matchup I saw a stat today that Teddy Bridgewater is actually the number two quarterback in completion percentage this year so far I think only behind Russell Wilson that was absolutely shocking to me but at the same time not shocking because last week I had basically a crow and said I was wrong about the Panthers and Teddy Bridgewater has secured a long-term quarterback role and he proved it last week and he'll keep proving it this week you know, a lot of times when all three of us pick the same matchup, I try to debate it, see if maybe I could see myself switching to the other team, if I could see them pulling it off. And it's so hard not picking Chicago when you see their record, see their 4-1, and one, and you know that they have good defensive pieces. But even last week when they pulled off a big upset against Tampa Bay, a team that none of us thought they could beat, Nick Foles still looked horrible. He made such terrible throws. His passes were nowhere close to the receivers. They had to stop and come back. Uh, They were hitting the ground in front of them, overthrowing them, throwing to the wrong team. Nick Foles just doesn't look like a great quarterback. I've said it before. He's great in the clutch when he's coming off the bench. But when he's relied on to be a starter in his career, it is completely black and white. It is completely different. He's not a fantastic starter. I just can't in my right mind get behind Nick Foles winning this game. Carolina's looked really good. They were one of my sleeper teams earlier in the year. I didn't think they got enough hype. Uh, I got to stick with Carolina in this game. And moving right along to our 4 o'clock matchups, we move on to another game that all three of us picked the same. We got the New York Jets at the Miami Dolphins. Miami is coming off a huge upset against the 49ers, not just because of who they beat, but because of how they beat them. Unbelievable game. All three of us have Miami in this matchup. I've personally have said it before that I think the Jets are going to go 0-16 this year. That doesn't change now. I'm going Miami in this matchup. The spread is plus 9.5. Do you guys think that the Jets at least have a chance to make it closer than that? Nope. 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 The Jets suck. Nope. Yes. 
I know Cody was trying to uh, lean us away from Adam Gase getting fired, and I had kind of said, seems like the Jets are doubling down on Adam Gase, but Adam Gase still needs to get fired. (laughs) He's so bad. 100% agree. But, you know, I'm going to talk about Miles Gaskin for the Miami Dolphins. And he actually looks like a guy that, if he's somehow still on your waiver wires, go get him. He's probably not. But he's turned himself into a weekly starter. He has the volume that is very rare for running backs. And last week, the touchdown hog, Jordan Howard, was a healthy scratch. So if Howard continues to be a healthy scratch, Miles Gaskin has turned himself into a weekly starter. I know it's tough. Miami's still not a great team. It's tough to start the running backs. But Miles Gaskin could save a lot of people for their fantasy season. But in positive matchups like the Jets, where they're going to be up, and if they're going to be competitive against teams that are at least mid-level, like San Francisco, I agree. Miles Gaskin could win a lot of fantasy championships from a very late draft pick or a free agent pickup. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned that Miami's not a great team and you don't like starting fantasy players from that team. But honestly, this week, guys, if you need to pick somebody up off the waiver wire to start, because we do have four bye weeks. We do have a lot of injuries. If you need a quarterback, Ryan Fitzpatrick looks good, and he's available in most leagues. If you need a defense, Miami's defense against the Jets looks really good. Other sleeper defenses might be either Washington or the Giants defense. They face each other. I think both of those defenses are startable. Uh, You also have Devontae Parker. He was drafted in a lot of leagues, but he is out there on some waiver wires. He is consistently getting about 10 points a week. Preston Williams looks startable. He looks like a potential flex play. Uh, you have Mike Gesicki at tight end. He might be your backup tight end, might even be on the waiver wire, but he's even a startable tight end. Miami does have startable players on this team for your fantasy matchup, and I know it's not a pretty team to start, but don't be afraid to put some Miami guys in your lineup. I like it. I like it a lot. You know, let's move on to a matchup that has a lot of fantasy starters. Probably a primetime 4 o'clock game. The Green Bay Packers at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Buccaneers are a one-point underdog, so it's pretty much an even split. We're all taking the Packers. I think I've got all the boys on the Aaron Rodgers hype train. Devontae Adams will be back. Kenny Clark should be back. The Packers coming off a bye. The Buccaneers coming off a 10-day mini-bye from playing on Thursday. This looks like it could be a very good matchup. I'm picking the Packers just because, one, I'm a homer, two, I don't like Brady, and three, I'm always going to pick the Packers. So go Packo. I agree with you there, Cody. Um, After the Buccaneers lost to the Bears, the early money line or early point spread uh, for the Buccaneers versus Packers game was actually Packers plus two. They were underdogs. I bet that line so hard, and I would bet this one just as hard. Tampa Bay plus one. I don't understand how this game is projected to be so close. I think the Packers have been absolutely dominant, especially on offense. They are putting up points in bunches. I don't think that Tom Brady's Buccaneers has the talent on that roster or has the speed to keep up with Green Bay. I think that They can put up points. I think they will put up points, but I don't think they're going to put up anywhere close. It's going to be a shootout that Tom Brady's not going to be able to keep up with. If you are out there betting, go ahead and bet on Green Bay minus one on the point spread. Absolutely love that. I mean, 
I made my Super Bowl prediction before the season to be Green Bay and the Buffalo Bills. Both of them look good. I don't understand how the Packers still to this day are underrated, especially with how good they look. Give me Aaron Rodgers all day. I love that Devonta Adams is finally back for the Packers. I still would have picked the Packers without him anyway here. But Cody talked about a lot of good fantasy players in this game. Tyler talked about a shootout. I'm going to go ahead and put my bold prediction on this game right here. We're talking about betting the point spread. I would talk about betting the over-under as well. Uh, The over-under is set at 54. That is really high. But I'm going to go ahead and say that these two teams are going to score 70 or more combined points in this game. It's going to be a very entertaining 4 o'clock game, and Green Bay is going to win it. So you're saying 50, Green Bay, 20, Tampa Bay. That, that's what I'm hearing. <laughs> Maybe a little closer, like 40, 30, but Green Bay still wins fairly comfortably. I like it. And uh, what about, you know, he was on by last week, the star from two weeks ago, Robert Tanyan. Are you guys concerned about playing him with Devontae Adams coming back? You guys still playing him, move forward? What's your thoughts on Robert Tanyan? I think Robert Tanyan getting three touchdowns is in the past. But I think once you build a rapport with Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers is going to keep going back to you. Devontae Adams proved it. He wasn't the biggest name at first, and now he turned into a big key star. Not saying that Robert Tanyan is going to be the number one tight end in the league all year, but he should be startable the rest of the season. I think he's convinced me. Yeah, I've actually picked up Tanyan in a few leagues before his big breakout game, and then after his big breakout game, I went to try to trade him. I do think that he's still going to be used. I think he's still going to get some receptions, some yards, especially on third down and short. I think he's going to be the guy that they're going to want to target. Um, And in the red zone, he could definitely see some red zone targets, still get some touchdowns, but I do think his volume is going to drop now that Devontae Adams is back. I mean, Devontae Adams was a huge percentage of their offense early on when he was healthy. I think he's going to retake that role right back. Tanya's still startable. If you can get something out of him, trade him now, in my opinion, before Devontae Adams takes all his value. Trade Tanya high as if you can. Um, but, yeah, I think Adams is definitely going to hurt. I just want to say one more quick thing. I don't know if you guys saw it, but Jason Pierre-Paul came out and said that nobody can run on us. And I just want Jason Pierre-Paul, if you're listening, which I know you are, Aaron Jones <laughs> – Jamal Williams, maybe even A.J. Dillon, they will all eat this weekend, and you will regret saying that. Aaron Jones still feels disrespected. Like he's not, he th- like people think he's not a top tier running back when he really looks like a top tier running back. So he's going to take something like that as even more fuel, I'm sure. I, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. All right, moving on to our Sunday night matchup. You know, we've talked about it the last few shows, the schedule makers. They thought these Sunday night matchups were going to be great. We got a pretty good one last weekend. We got the Los Angeles Rams at the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers are only three and a half point underdogs. If you want to look for a glimmer of hope, it is divisional. So those matchups are normally closer, but San Fran looks bad. Jimmy G, his injury looked like he came back too soon. Their defense is decimated with injuries. Hey, they did get Raheem Mostart back, but uh, he looked average. This team just doesn't have the same fear they had last year. Give me the Rams pretty easily in this one. I'll also take the Rams pretty easily in this one. 
I'm shocked that the line is as close as it is after how bad Jimmy G looked last week. I think Jimmy G did come back too soon. You're right. I don't think they're going to be as bad as they looked last week against Miami the rest of the season. But the injuries have finally caught up with them, and we can finally say that with confidence. I think we probably should have said that after the Eagles lost, but everyone wanted to hold hope for the last year's runner-up. And the Rams have just looked really good. Yeah, I absolutely agree there. I think the Rams are going to win this one. I think they're going to win handedly. Um, So let's move on to some more interesting topics. I got to ask you guys, so the 49ers, they do still have some good pieces on that team. You can't just completely sell out on them entirely. I know they have some injuries, but last year, a lot of analysts said the reason they don't think the 49ers are Super Bowl favorites is because of Jimmy Garoppolo. Nobody's really sold on Jimmy G. Now, this year, Jimmy G hasn't looked great. He was playing injured last week, but I don't think that was his issue. I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is the guy. Could you see the 49ers going out and trading for a guy like Matt Ryan? I think that would be a great move. I looked into the contract of this, and I know Matt Ryan has an ungodly cap hit that almost makes him unmovable, which is kind of sad for the 49ers. So I don't think we'll actually be able to see that happen. But I think it'd be worth noting to throw out a guy like Tyrod Taylor. You know, Tyrod Taylor is the ultimate game manager. He gives you a little bit something with your legs. Justin Herbert has looked great. And I think maybe Tyrod Taylor is a guy that won't cost an arm and a leg that the 49ers go out to get and try to get their season back before it's too late, especially in that tough division in the NFC West. Absolutely. And as far as other 49ers players, I mean, right now that trade hasn't even been discussed as much as we would like to see something like that happen. So right now the 49ers don't look great. Now there's two 49ers people that you may have on your roster that I'm wondering if you guys would just drop. One of them is the 49ers defense. It was drafted as the number one defense in fantasy this year. People went in the mid rounds for a defense, which you should never do. But they went in the mid-rounds for the 49ers defense. The other is Jarek McKinnon with Raheem Mostert back. He looked absolutely non-existent. Is there any reason that either of you guys would keep the 49ers defense or Jarek McKinnon on your team if you have them? I think I would probably drop both. The 49ers defense just got decimated by the injuries. It stinks that you took such a high, used such a high draft pick to take them. But there's no point in you holding on to them, especially in that high-powered division where they're playing the Rams twice, the Seahawks twice, the Cardinals twice. There's not going to be many green matchups for you to want to play them against. Jarek McKinnon, love the guy. think in another situation where there wasn't such a crowded backfield, he would be a major fantasy asset. But the dreaded running back by committee ruins even the best running backs in that whole system. I'm not even starting – I'm not starting any of them with any confidence. Well, I agree with you on the 49ers defense, especially in the, this year we're having COVID issues. Injuries seem to be up. Bye weeks are starting. It's very hard to roster two defenses, and especially in this matchup, I'm not starting the 49ers defense. Heck, they, you thought a plus matchup against the Dolphins. They end up with minus fantasy points. I think it's time to say goodbye to the 49ers, 49ers defense and move on. When it comes to Jarek McKinnon, 
this might be because I have him in one league, which is a fab league, and I spent like $38 to get him. <laughs> he's He still looked good with Raheem Mostert in the first couple of weeks. Um, I do think the deficit might have played a role in him. He might still have space on your bench, depending on your roster, your needs, your buys. I don't think he's a guy you have to drop this week. We can see how it plays out, um, but it doesn't look good for him going forward. But, George, I definitely think you start Mostert. I mean, he's still the, the number one guy. And how many times has he taken it 80 yards, 60 yards? His big play ability, I'd hate to leave him on my bench. So, Cody, uh, sticking with this matchup and sticking with fantasy, in our main league, you decided to only draft one tight end, and that one tight end was Tyler Higby. He's had some small matchups now recently after having that three-touchdown game against the Eagles. Again, a team that doesn't adjust to one person getting a lot of touchdowns. Not the point. Uh, Are you still rostering Tyler Higby? Are you still starting him with confidence, or are you looking elsewhere now? Well, when we had our draft, that was my least favorite pick was Tyler Higby. And it is coming up back to bite me. I am going to try to move on from him. I'm going to try to trade him. I can't physically seem to drop him. I just think he has too much value to be a straight drop. But he doesn't have enough value to be traded for anything worth trading. And unfortunately, in our league, a lot of the good tight ends, or even the ones on waiver wires, are taken. So tight end for me is not looking good. If you guys have Tyler Higby out there, I would try to move him. If there's someone good on the waiver wire, I know some people dropped Noah Fant because of his injury. I would pick up Noah Fant for Tyler Higby. I just think between Robert Woods, the running backs, Gerald Everett, there's just too much to feed in that offense. And Tyler Higby isn't the guy we saw at the end of last year getting eight-plus targets a game. Yeah, tight end has been a tough position with fantasy altogether. People drafted... Hayden Hurst, uh, they drafted Tyler Higby, they drafted Rob Gronkowski, hoping he'd have his breakout, uh, made pickups on guys like Mo Alley-Cox, and, and nothing's really seeming to work out. Uh, there's very few tight ends that are definitely startable on a week-to-week basis or putting up good points. Uh, there is one tight end that is putting up consistent big points and has been doing it for years, and that is Travis Kelsey, and that'll move us right into our next matchup which is the Kansas City Chiefs at the Buffalo Bills. And guys, as a Titans fan, I loved to see us just absolutely slap the Bills around and make them look bad. But we do still think that the Bills are a good team. However, no one's taken them in this matchup. Everyone's taken the Chiefs. Are you guys just scared because of the way the Titans made them look? Or do you think the Chiefs are just that good? Well, I think it's worth mentioning that not only did the Bills get slapped around last week, but the Chiefs got slapped around last week too by the Raiders. But I still think that the Chiefs are just the better team, even though I do have the faith in Buffalo. It's hard for me to bet against Patrick Mahomes any given week. Buffalo is going to be back from what they did last week. I think that point spread's pretty close. It's going to be a really close game. You're going to see both teams playing at a high level again. I'm just going to go with Patrick Mahomes solely yeah i'm i'm gonna take the chiefs pretty much for patrick mahomes i know last week we debated who our mvp favorites were and 
George picked Josh Allen, and I said he's going to have one of those games where he throws three interceptions or three fumbles. He didn't throw three, but he still threw two last night or two nights ago against the Tennessee Titans. And I also think that the fact that the Bills had to play on Tuesday, throwing off the rhythm again this week actually hurts them. So I think the Chiefs win this one as well. Can we just talk about how unlucky it is? We've been complaining all season that the Thursday night games have been absolutely horrendous and that we think that whoever makes the NFL schedule probably is just busy on Thursdays. Uh, so he doesn't want to miss any good football. This Kansas City and Buffalo Bills game was supposed to be the Thursday night matchup this week, and we would have finally had an amazing Thursday night game, but this game gets pushed all the way to Monday night, and I honestly think it is the better of the Monday night games. I think it's going to be a very close game, a very exciting game. I think the Bills are going to bounce back. I just don't know if they're going to bounce back enough. Uh, But like I said, I do think it's going to be the better of the Monday night games, The other Monday night game we have that week is the Arizona Cardinals at the Dallas Cowboys. Look, we all saw it. We all saw Dak's injury. It was a heartbreaking injury, but we're going to move on from that. And honestly, Andy Dalton's not a great quarterback, but Andy Dalton is still a serviceable quarterback. He has Ezekiel Elliott to hand the ball off to. He's got the amazing young rookie, C.D. Lamb, to throw to. He's got Amari Cooper. He's got Michael Gallup. He has the pieces in that offense that really Dalton doesn't need to be a great quarterback. He just needs to be decent, especially in the NFC least division. Do you guys think Andy Dalton's going to pull this one off against Arizona? Well, I do because I'm the only team or the only person picking the Dallas Cowboys to actually win this game. I do think that the Cowboys almost have like a, a rally game like this game they dedicate the game for Dak and I think that we've seen Arizona be able to be beaten I think the game's in Jerry World still so there will be a limited number of fans I just think there will be an extra energy that Andy Dalton can continue to win games for this team I don't know for how long but I do think it'll be this week I think Andy Dalton is literally the perfect quarterback to lead the Dallas Cowboys. Not because of his skill level and the ability to pass around the ball and his experience. Literally because the Dallas Cowboys have only won one playoff game in God knows how many years. And Andy Dalton is the king at getting to the playoffs and losing the first playoff game. (laughs) That is true. That is absolutely true. The legend of the Red Rocket. We're not even going to worry about that. Yeah, I'm going to go with George here. I'm going with uh, Arizona to win this game. I think Arizona has looked sketchy in the last few weeks. After coming out firing in the first two weeks, they've kind of looked soft these last two weeks. Uh, but I do think Arizona's still going to get it done. I think the Cowboys' defense is so... It's such a Swiss cheese defense. You can do just about anything against it. And though they do have the offensive pieces, I think Kyler Murray is going to be able to keep up with them. Uh, Give me Arizona in this matchup. I don't feel great about it, but taking the Cardinals. With you guys taking the Cardinals, um, I just want to get your feels out there for the Cowboys wide receivers. Dak was putting up incredible numbers. We don't expect that to continue with Andy Dalton. 
from a fantasy perspective, are you guys trying to trade your receivers? Is there one that you really like to stay consistent? What are your guys' thoughts on the Cowboys wide receivers from a fantasy perspective moving forward? Yeah, Dak was putting up great numbers, and mainly because they gave up so many points early in the game that they had to throw the ball late in the game to put those points back up. And I don't think that's going to change. I think the Cowboys' defense is still so terrible that they're still going to fall behind in games and need to air it out to try to stay competitive. So I do think the receivers are still going to get plenty of targets, plenty of points. Now, the guy that I would try to trade would be Michael Gallup. Now, I don't know if you're going to get much out of Gallup because of the fact that, you know, he really hasn't shown much this season so far. Uh, Hopefully people will still buy him off of last season or off of the name. But Michael Gallup is the deep threat for the Dallas Cowboys. And Dak Prescott was more willing to air it out and try to throw it to Gallup deep than I think Andy Dalton will. I think Andy Dalton is going to try to keep it close to the vest. I think he's going to try to stick with a short passing game. I think they're going to simplify the playbook for him, even though he is a veteran quarterback. So I would keep Cooper. I would keep CeeDee Lamb. I would try to move Michael Gallup. Michael Gallup still did make a couple of nice long catches, including the one to set up the game-winning field goal. So I'm not entirely convinced that Gallup isn't going to stay involved. But I think he's kind of got Deshaun Jackson syndrome at this point, where back in Deshaun Jackson's prime, he would have good weeks and bad weeks. It just depended on if he happened to get open and get that long ball. So I just don't like receivers in fantasy with that you know, kind of scenario in general, because I like more consistency. I like being able to say, I'm getting 10 points out of this guy every week, and that's not Michael Gallup. Uh, the other two, I think they're going to see a step down, because Andy Dalton, no way Andy Dalton puts up the numbers that Dak Prescott did. Dak Prescott was going to break records with some of the stats that he was putting up. I don't even think he would have kept that pace up. But getting rid of them, I don't think you can do that, especially because the Cowboys' defense is so bad that that offense is going to be forced to throw the ball. You're still going to see production from Zeke, even if they're behind, because Zeke's going to get involved in the passing game, and Zeke is just so good that he can still turn his 10 to 15 carries a game into a very serviceable fantasy number. As a Michael Gallup owner, I just want to say if any of my league mates are listening, Michael Gallup is actually super amazing, and you should definitely try to trade me for him. Uh, give me some good receivers in return. He's he's going to be phenomenal now, just saying. Hey, that that's some great advice. Um, I just want to throw out there just to irritate George, but uh, it was pretty cool to see Dallas run that trick play. Never seen something like that before. Yeah, the Dallas special. I like that. I mean, they had to steal that off of the Bears, right? well played george well played but that wraps up all the matchups for this week we say it all the time we're going to throw these up on our social sites at the couch gms you can comment like share tell us who we picked wrong who we picked right and hey throw out some ideas for the loser punishment we had mike reed do the pie to the face that happened to george for the last week hopefully we get another fan suggestion this week um, but we're going to go right into a new segment. We're going to call it the Fantasy Panic Button. And it's just a quick, rapid fire of players that we think are time to press the panic button. It's time to move on from. And I'm going to start off. It's going to go against Tyler's bold prediction this week. I love it. But you got to press the panic, panic button on the Ravens' backfield. There's no consistency. Gus Edwards, Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins. None of them are fantasy startable. 
if you got a big Ravens fan in your league, try to trade him to them. If you don't, you can drop him. It's not worth the risk of trying to guess which week one of them will have a successful week and which one will not. Moving right along, I am going with Kenyon Drake. The guy has been absolutely frustrating. Uh, he was drafted in the second round in most leagues, uh, and he just honestly has not looked great. This past week, he rushed double-digit times. Chase Edmonds rushed three times. Chase Edmonds had more rushing yards. It's super frustrating. I know Kenyon Drake has the talent, but he cannot seem to get it going this season. If you can still get some value out of Kenyon Drake, especially since he had a touchdown this past week, maybe he still has some value to somebody, move on. Hit the panic button. Uh, Give me Julio Jones. We've been talking about Julio Jones on the show the last couple of weeks, and his injury history has been pretty deep, but you haven't known it because he's played through so many injuries in career. He's had a pulled hammy, an ankle sprain, and he has not missed time. He's still gone out there and been productive. Now all of a sudden he's missing time, which makes me think that father time might be catching up with him. He's also a big guy when it comes to getting a lot of catches, not a lot of touchdowns. I don't know if he's going to be able to get all of those catches if he's just getting banged up all year. There is looks like the new wave of talent coming up through that system with Calvin Ridley and Russell Gage hitting the panic button on Julio Jones. Another wide receiver it's time to hit the panic button on was my bold prediction last week, A.J. Green. Now some people out there will say save him in case he gets traded. But unfortunately the time has come that A.J. Green and Father Time have met a crosshair and they are no longer moving forward with A.J. Green being super athletic, superior. The injuries have caught up to him. A.J. Green is no longer a reliable fantasy option. Hit that panic button. You know, wide receivers are not the only ones that you should be hitting the panic button on. There are some quarterbacks out there, Tom Brady, Matt Ryan, Phillip Rivers, that you should definitely hit the panic button on. But I am going to go back to another wide receiver, mainly because he used to be a first-round pick, a guy that everyone coveted and wanted in their fantasy leagues. I'm going T.Y. Hilton. This guy, like George said earlier, has not had a 100-yard receiving game since Andrew Luck. He's not that old. He's only 30 years old, but he does look like he took a huge step down. Phillip Rivers does not look like a good enough quarterback to get him the ball consistently and get him those big numbers he used to get. Hit the panic button on T.Y. Hilton. Don't even try to trade this guy. Flat out cut him. And as painful as it is for me to say, hit the panic button on Zach Ertz. It hurt him a lot with all the injuries, especially the one at Dallas Goddard that's let defenses kind of solo him out. But seeing him taken out of a game even before the Dallas Goddard injury makes me think that that offense is finally turning a corner to looking at younger talent. Defenses are going to bracket him and make someone else beat him, no matter who's in the lineup next to him. I don't think Zach Ertz is going to be able to see the single coverage, beat the defenses as he did in the past, hitting the panic button on Zach Ertz. Yeah, and guys, we, we mentioned a lot about hitting the panic button, and we're in that stretch of fantasy football season where you have to make the tough decision on guys you drafted, big names that you love. You have to be able to move on, hit that button, find people on the waiver wires, make trades, because now is where you win your fantasy season. 
not holding on to these guys that have the big names and going out and getting guys that will win you matchups down the road. Absolutely. And just like it's time to hit the panic button on certain players, there is a point in every season when it's time to hit the panic button on your entire fantasy team. Now, the nice thing, if you're in a keeper league, a dynasty league, any kind of league like that, the nice thing about that is if you start off 0-5 or you start off you know, in a rough situation, you can trade some of your players for draft picks, trade them for young keepers or um, other players like that. You can try to trade for the future. But if you're in a redraft league and you're playing all out for this season, when do you hit the panic button on your team? Is it at 2-3? and three? Is it at 1-4, and 0-5? Oh or you guys have to wait a few weeks from now before you start hitting that panic button? You know, I don't think if you're really into fantasy or whether you're just a casual player, you should always be trying to make your team better. And, you know, sometimes even in our league a few years ago, we had a guy go one in five. He made a trade, end up winning the whole championship. So it does happen. So there is still hope, but you have to be able to make those trades. And you pretty much have to go based on your league. If, if your league teams are starting to get a bunch of wins and you're not, you got to make a move earlier. If you're hovering around 500, you can wait an extra week or two. It all depends on where your team fits in your specific league. But if you guys have three, four, or even five losses, you need to start making some serious move. I agree. If you're at one and four right now, I think you really have to start assessing this guy's my issue, this position's my issue. But like Cody said, you should always be looking to make your team better. I know I'm 3-2 and two in my main league, and I'm out there negotiating, wheeling and dealing, trying to make my team better because every team has a weakness, and you're never going to win with the team that you drafted. You need to pick it. You need to be diligent on the waiver wire, picking up free agents, and making trades. Absolutely, and the fun thing about fantasy is even if you are out of the playoffs, even if you start the season 0-10, you are still never done playing until the playoffs start. If you are 0-10, keep trying to win. Keep trying to make moves. Keep trying to build your team because nothing feels sweeter than when you're a 10th place team and you upset one of the top teams in the league. It feels amazing. And if you're 10-0, don't sit there thinking your team's great. Don't think you're flying in a coast to a championship. That'll make you lose. Make moves. Make your team better. Never stop improving your team. Your team will never, ever, ever be too good to make a move. I promise you. That's some great advice. And if you guys need any more advice, we say it all the time, feel free to reach out to us on any social platform. We will help you with Fantasy Moves, gives you our feedback. Do what it helps you to win, because when everyone's winning in Fantasy, it's a better week for everyone. Uh, so moving on to our next segment, we like to end off with a little debate. Last week, it got a little heated. It was a little serious. This one's a little bit more laid back, a little bit more fun. You know, the 2020 wide receiver rookie class has started out the season phenomenally and there are so many to pick from so we're just going to debate who is the best rookie wide receiver and it hurts me to say this he was my draft crush I wanted him so bad when the Eagles passed on him for Jalen Rager and Justin Jefferson went to the Minnesota Vikings I was heartbroken and to see him out there balling out back-to-back 200-yard games. This week was a little bit quiet, but Justin Jefferson looks legit, and he has a long, promising career 
in the NFL, and he makes that Minnesota's Vikings scary again. It's the De- Stephon Diggs they were missing, but he's probably better than Stephon Diggs long term. You know, I understand that there are some big rookie receivers out there. Justin Jefferson has had the big games. He deserves to be talked about, and there's plenty others, but I'm going with my guy, Jerry Judy. Nobody has been more consistent than Jerry Judy. He has been putting up an average of 10 fantasy points a week, which I understand. That might not be the flashiest number. You like those Justin Jefferson uh, 30-point weeks. But 10 points a week is consistent. No other receiver has been this consistent, and he's doing it without a consistent quarterback, too. Uh, Drew Locke got injured. Brett Rippon steps in, and Jerry Judy's doing just as good. I got to go with my man, Jerry Judy. You know, with you saying Jerry Judy, I just want to point out that he might already be a top five route runner in this league, which is pretty incredible with how limited the college passing trees are. I know he came from Alabama, and they're the high class of the college football. But Jerry Judy, I love that pick. You know, he's not a guy that gets talked about with the CD Lambs, but he is playing really well with pretty poor quarterback play. And I like his outlook going forward. I know there's a lot of guys that I can go out there and say. One of them I, I debated was Chase Claypool after that just, just awful. He destroyed the Eagles last week. But I'm going to go with a guy who's actually been injured most of the year, but you've seen his impact when he's out there, and that's going to be Henry Ruggs. The Raiders look like a completely different team when Henry Ruggs is out there. He's able to stretch the field. He's making other players around him better, which as a rookie you almost never hear, especially even at the quarterback position, especially not as a wide receiver. And the two weeks that he's been fully healthy, he has absolutely balled out. I really hope he can stay healthy and we get to see at least a half a good season out of Henry Ruggs, and you'll see how much of a star he really can be in the NFL. It's pretty incredible that none of us picked, you know, guys like CeeDee Lamb or even T. Higgins. But, you know, I, I think we're all on to something. You know, Henry Ruggs, you mentioned he looks great. His biggest concern for me is that he will only ever be a deep threat. And while young and fast, I don't know if his career will be substantial enough to make him look good. But you're right, he's playing great now. Uh, I would say if out of the three that we picked, Henry Ruggs is the biggest head-scratcher for me. But overall, great list, guys. Let me give an honorable mention also to LaVisca Chenault, another guy that we're not really mentioning. But this guy is not only playing receiver, but he's also taken some handoffs. He's lined up in the slot. He's lined out wide. He is moving all over the field with, you know, Gardner Minshew, not an elite quarterback, questionable offensive line, questionable offensive, well, entire offense, honestly, questionable team in general. LaVisca Chenault has still looked great. Honorable mention to him. Definitely. And, you know, it just it just shows the incredible how well these rookies are playing at the start of the season when everyone was concerned about, you know, no OTAs, shortened training camp, virtual offseason. You know, they, they said this draft was filled with talent, could be the deepest class of all time, and we're seeing it play out on Sundays. But I think that's pretty much it for this episode of the Couch DMs. So thank you again for listening into the show. Please like, subscribe, leave a five-star review. Uh, We have some fun ideas in the works, so make sure you're following us on all our social media sites at the Couch DMs. 
Yeah, guys, there's a little bit of couch GMs in all of us. So please get involved. Ask some questions. Tell us your picks. Even talk some trash. Make this podcast more fun for you and for us by letting your inner couch GM out and getting involved. For Tyler Snyder, Cody Roadcap, I'm George Kurth, and this has been the Couch GM's Podcast, and we'll see you all next week.